0: As we continue worship, we do so through the hearing of our scripture reading for this morning from the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 10 through 16. I invite you to hear these words for us this morning. Later, the Lord sent this message to King Ahaz Ask the Lord your God for a sign of confirmation. Ahaz. Make it as difficult as you want, as high as heaven as deep as the place of the dead. But the king refused. No, he said, I will not test the Lord like that. Then Isaiah said, listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exalt the patience of my God as well? All right Then The Lord himself will give you the son. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And will call him Emmanuel. Which means God is with us. By the time this child is old enough to choose what is right and reject what is wrong, he will be eating yogurt and honey. For before that child is that old, the lands of the two kings you fear so much will both be deserted. It's the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for this time of worship and for this time to be in your presence. And Lord, as we enter into this time of deep devotion, we ask for you to open our hearts and our minds and our ears so that we may be attentive to your words speaking to us. Turn out the distraction of our day and our lives so that we may hear what you have for us. Lord, may I become less so that you may be more. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is a passage that as soon as we read it from Isaiah, this word from Isaiah 7.14, as soon as we read it, our mind immediately goes to the Gospel of Matthew. Immediately we turn our thoughts to Matthew 1 verse 23 where Matthew uses this passage from Isaiah 7:14 as a way to say this is what's taking place through the Christ child. In Matthew chapter 1, Matthew uses the story of Joseph and his interaction with This news that Mary is pregnant, this shocking news, because they were just engaged at the time. They hadn't even had sexual relations yet. And yet, lo and behold, here's Mary saying, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Joseph eventually believes the news and agrees to keep with the wedding plans and takes Mary and the baby and cares for them. But yet at Matthew 1.23, we get this word to us. Look, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a child known as Emmanuel for Matthew to say, this is what's taking place. This baby is God with us. And God has come with us. In fact, that idea of God with us serves as a bookend, if you will, to the entire book of Matthew. It's there in the beginning moments of Jesus' earthly life as an affirmation of who this Christ child is, but it also comes at the ascension in the last moments of Matthew's gospel. As Christ is leaving his disciples to go and sit at the right hand of the Father when he says, "Do not fear, I am with you always even to the end of the age." God is with us. Seen in Isaiah 7:14 and Matthew 1:23 and because of that When we come across this word from Isaiah, our minds do not immediately go to asking, what does this say then and what might it say to us now? We just immediately go and say, ah, this is what Matthew is talking about and move on. And yet there's something for us here as we discern what it means for us to live as Advent people. There's something for us to think about and contemplate on as we reflect what it means to live as people of the promise awaiting for Christ to come again. You see, this word from Isaiah comes as King Ahaz is thinking about how to protect his legacy and the people of Judah. You see, Judah was being threatened by different groups. Israel and Damascus to the north and Assyria soon after. At this point, the kingdom of David had been divided to Israel in the north, surrounded by Samaria and Judah, defined by Jerusalem. They had become rivals and enemies, so to speak. They were no longer deep in connection with each other. They had torn apart from one another. And King Ahaz is worried. Now, he's worried for himself. You see, this guy was a wicked king. He had no desire to To follow God. He had no desire to follow any of the law of God or the desires of God. His focus was really on himself. And so when he felt this pressure coming, he knew that he was in trouble. You see, Damascus and Israel had joined together to form an alliance in order to topple the Assyrian threat. And they wanted to get Judah on their side. But King Ahaz was not wanting to be a part of that. And so they were wanting to come in and overrun Judah with the hope that maybe then they could put in their own ruler who would then join their alliance to defeat the Assyrians. King Ahaz had other plans. In fact, he had already started to put his plans into place. He had started to form an alliance with his own enemy, the Assyrians. Going with that old mindset, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So he decided to join in into where the Assyrians would become his protector. They, he would be, they would become his source of strength. It would be their source of salvation. He'd already agreed to this in his mind and was already starting to put these plans into place when Isaiah had come to him with a word from God to say, Stop. Stop. And when Ahaz still hadn't decided to stop, he then says something else to him. I'll give you a sign, any sign that you want. A word that comes from Isaiah, from God to Ahaz. I'll give you whatever sign you want, as deep as hell or as high as heaven. Whatever sign you want, I'll give it to you to show that I am with you. To show that I'm with you and I'm here. King Ahaz could ask for any sign that would have shown God's presence. And yet his response was, no, it's not for me to test God. Now That sounds like pious language, right? It sounds like maybe Ahaz is coming to his senses and coming to faith until you realize that even Gideon himself asked for a sign from God to show that he was following in God's footsteps. So what's Ahaz doing here? Is he being pious? Is he being hopeful in the midst of fear? Or perhaps he is allowing his fear to manifest itself in religiosity. Ahaz had no desire to follow in God's footsteps. He had already put to mind his plan. But yet his fear was living out in that moment in a lack of trust to God. Fear in our lives is not necessarily that fear of holy reverence. That fear sometimes in our lives is we're faced with something that makes us uncomfortable and we don't know what to do. That fear of life coming at us at about 200 miles per hour and nothing seems right, nothing seems normal, and it makes us uneasy and uncomfortable. Fear is that natural human response when we're challenged or when we're upended, or when we feel like something is not comfortable. But how do we respond to fear? Some of us may run away from it. Say, I'll, I'll see you later. We have that fear of flight mentality. Instead of facing those troubles, instead of facing those problems, we'll say, I'll see it. I'm going to the beach. That's how I feel with the snow right now. I'm going to the beach. need Tim or we're going to join together, we're going to build a church down in Florida somewhere and we're just going to call it a week. But sometimes our fear manifests itself in religiosity. And what I mean by that is, is that it becomes, a, this, our religion and our faith becomes a self-protection mechanism to where we never let anyone in to see who we truly are. And we project a sense of strong faith, and we project this sense of strongness in the Lord. And really, when deep inside of us, we're dealing with doubts, we're dealing with uneasiness, we're dealing with our own stresses, and it becomes a mask that we wear to hide from others who we truly are. And what happens then is everyone looks at us and they just think, oh, that's a great Christian. Oh, that, look how much they pray. Look how much they're, they're always here. Look how much they always wear a smile on their face when deep inside, we don't know if we can trust God. Deep down inside, we don't know if we can truly believe in the promises of Christmas or even in ourselves will project to others in our sense of fear that which we want to believe in ourselves. Fear manifests itself in many ways, and we often protect it and hide it from others because it's easier to hide than it is to be transparent. Ahaz here was hiding in his fear. Fear that if he trusted God, that he would just be overran because Assyrian he could trust was a stronger military. These, if he trusted them, he would be fine. But I don't know if I can trust God. And Isaiah calls him out. He says, you're not really that strong in your faith, you really are doubting God, but here's the thing, God still loves you. God still is gonna give you that sign even though you don't want it. Think about how great our God is, that even though Ahaz refused this gift of a sign, and even though he is this wicked and ruthless king, God still loved him enough to be present in his life and to give him a sign to show that he was there. And he did it so through the sign of a child. And Isaiah says, there will be a child born to a virgin. And this baby will be known as Emmanuel. In the midst of fear, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of Israel and Damascus and the Assyrians, putting all of this pressure on the people of Judah, God is promising a baby will be born. Not just any baby, a baby born to an Alma. Now Alma is the Hebrew word that's used for the word virgin. Now some people, some translations will say young woman, some will say a young girl, but the context of the Hebrew means someone who is sexually pure. This woman that's unnamed, it could have been anyone. It could have been Isaiah's wife. It might have been one of Ahaz's wives. It could have been some unknown woman in Judah. She's going to give birth to a child. And this child is going to grow up. He's going to eat well. And by the time this child can determine right or wrong, probably around the age of 12, all of your problems and all the threats will go away. The, Assyrian, the, the, the people from Damascus and the Israel threat will be gone. In history, in about 12 years after the time of Ahaz, the Is- Israelites were destroyed and so were the people of Damascus by the Assyrians. Isaiah was asking Ahaz to trust in God, not in the things of this world. And trusting in the one who gives us the promise of Emmanuel. But the promise of that child truly was was for Ahaz to recognize that God was never going to abandon him. The the Israel army might, the Damascus army might, the Assyrian army probably would, but God never would abandon him. God is always going to be there. And you can trust that. And you can believe in that. And you can have confidence in that. Because there's never anywhere that we have gone in this world, nowhere that we have ever gone in life, that God's not already there. Trust that. In the times of fear, in the times of loneliness, in the times of feeling overwhelmed with the world, in the times in which we feel like the world is moving too fast and we don't know what to do, trust in God who is always there and will never abandon us. And when we fast forward to Matthew's gospel, some 700 years later, that promise of Emmanuel is magnified to its greatest point. That it's not just God who is with us, but it is God who has walked amongst us. In the places of our fear, In the places of our loneliness, in the places of our hurt, in the places of our betrayals, in the places of our feeling like no one is there for us, or in the feelings as though this world has left us by. The promise of Emmanuel is not just that God is with us, but that God is incarnate into those things through the living reality that God has not just come but has walked amongst us. Walked into our shoes, walked into our very presence of life. And that is what we celebrate this week. There's not a breath we take. There's not a moment that we live. There's not an issue we face in our lives or in our church We're in society where God is not already there. So we don't need to have fear because God is already there. We can have confidence to face whatever comes, knowing that we face those struggles unafraid, knowing that we may not have the answers, we may not have the knowledge, we may not have all that there is to it, but we know this. There's nothing that we face where God is not already there. So as Advent people, people who are not just preparing our hearts for the cookies and for the pumpkin pies and the turkey and the ham and the peppermint bark. Lord, I love me some peppermint bark. I think I ate my weight in it this week. But we're preparing our hearts for this. To live the Christmas story now. As Advent people. Who do not just celebrate Christmas one day a year. But celebrate it in how we live every day. That we live it not as people of fear. But we live as people of hope. To see the goodness in others. To see the possibilities in one another. Who live it in peace. Of knowing what we believe, but to have those common places of connection and relationships with each other. To say, as long as we can worship God, we're all in this together. have that peace in our hearts that knows that God loves me and loves you too. To have that joy that is shared with others when they're going through difficult times or when they feel like life is overwhelming or to have that joy to know that this world cannot defeat us. God has already won. And to have that love that overcomes all fear and that knowledge that knows that there is not a step we take, that God is not already there so we can share love by being committed to each other, grounded in hope and peace and joy and love to be Christ-like in each other's lives. We don't have to have fear. God's already there. So let us live as Advent people in hope and in peace and joy and love, no matter what the world may bring us, because Christ has come and Christ will come again. Will you pray with me? Most holy and gracious Father God, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for the promise of Emmanuel and of how you are with us. Help us to feel your presence today and your love as we go forth into our hearts and lives to live as people of your love. In Christ we pray, amen.